Hello everyone, we're back. Good to be with you. We are in 1 Peter chapter 3, and we've been coming off some awesome sections in this book. And Peter's just really driving home this point of full salvation, growth in life, what the Christian life looks like. And we're just immersed in this wonderful Christian experience and journey. And uh, where we are right now, uh, we finished in chapter 2, seeing four big points on a, a life in an excellent manner towards all men in all concerns. So we had sojourners uh, with Gentiles, human institutions, servants and masters. We saw a model of Christ. But then today in chapter three, we have the last two in that list, which is on married life and in common life. So with married life, a lot of you I know probably aren't married. And even I myself, I just got married in May. Um, and you might think, well, this doesn't apply to me, or maybe it doesn't apply to me yet, or maybe what Peter said was a little strong. Um, but I just encourage you to realize that this really does apply to us, and it can apply to all of us. And what what Peter's speaking here to the wives, I was really touched by reading it, because it's just encouraging the believers who at that time were really, really influenced by the Roman culture of, yeah, just Roman culture, Roman fashion. Um, actually, it's funny. I was just reminded as I said that in, in Romans chapter 12, Paul's writing them and he says, don't be fashioned according to that age, but, um, but turn, be transformed. And so here, Peter's kind of saying the same thing where, look, we can have all these adornments outwardly, but what is the most attractive thing about a person, about all of us, is actually that we have received this incorruptible adornment. That's what he says in, in verse 4. And what he's referring to is our spirit. So so Christ, God, God lives in us. The triune God, God the Father, Son, and Spirit lives and dwells in us. And in the first chapter of this epistle, in verse 23, it says, We've been regenerated of an incorruptible seed, not redeemed by something corruptible such as gold or other things, but but something incorruptible. Y'all, we have an incorruptible life in us. And this life in us is costly. It's meek. It's of the highest virtue. And when we live this out, we live this life, Christ is magnified in our bodies. He is manifested through us. That is, that is a life of godliness. So um, don't be distracted by husbands and wives necessarily if you're not there. Um, but this is really about honoring one another in life as fellow heirs of the grace of life. And living a life not of, uh, of outward things, of appearances, of demeanor, but of the, of the gift of God which is in each of us which is in our spirit. So uh, that's, that's the first section on married life. I'll just say that much for now. Second one's on common life. And we know this is the common life because in verse eight, Peter says, and finally be all. So all of us be of the same mind, sympathetic, loving the brothers, tenderhearted, humble-minded, not rendering evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing one another because you were called to this, that you might inherit blessing. So, wow, I need to take a little breath now. That was a lot. And this is so encouraging because these are, these are high standards for us to live by. This, this, is a, this is certainly an excellent manner of life. And for us, even just looking at verse 9, the evil for evil, 
We're not doing that. We're here for blessing. In the Old Testament, we all know this term. I've learned about this in vacation Bible school. You know, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Well, when Jesus came on the scene in the Gospels, he said something entirely different. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn the others. Turn the other cheek. And if someone takes your garment, well, give them your tunic. Give your, give them your undergarment too. Uh, if he requires a certain amount of distance to walk with him, walk all the way. So it's a much higher life, the most virtuous life, which we can live by, by turning to our spirit, living, living Christ. And that life is able to bless one another. And that's, that is so wonderful. And in verse 11, um, Peter says, seek peace and pursue it. We're just here seeking peace and pursuing, pursuing it. And that peace we know is God himself. Now, um, this last section, verse, verses 14 through 22, this is, uh, it is super saturated with content. Um, I was considering how to get into it without going way over time. But in verse 14, well, even this section is just in general talking about suffering for righteousness by the will of God as Christ did. So Christ suffered, um, uh, suffered for righteousness and we also, because we are believers, we're, we're born of God, children of God, and we're those striving to live a life um, in the spirit and a life that's worthy of uh, the life we've been called to have, we'll, be, we'll suffer, we'll be ridiculed, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have some opposition. And it's not to deter us from, <laughs> or not, it's not to discourage us, but on the contrary, Peter's saying, you are blessed. Don't be afraid with fear from them, nor be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. So we're just those enjoying our rich God, dwelling in us, living in the saints, living a church life. But our friends, our family, those around us may just think to themselves, what are you doing? What does this person believe in that causes him to do this or not to do that or not to say this or to say something like that? And this is a lot of our experiences. And Peter says, look, in verse 15, always be ready to defend or for a defense to everyone who asks you of an account concerning the hope which is in you. It's incredible. Some may ask about the hope which is in you. I hope, I, I wish for all of you that you'd be living the most, rejoice, the, the most joyful life, full of joy, and some would see that hope which is in you and they would ask, what, what is it that makes you tick? What, is, what are you taking? What are you drinking? Uh, what, what, what are you on? <laughs> um, and Peter says, you know what? It's right to defend it. That doesn't mean we're aggressive, but we should be able to say, speak with words what we believe and why we're so full of joy and why we have so much hope and why we're not discouraged by the world situation or all these other things. We have a hope in, in God. We have a hope in Christ who has accomplished so much and obtained and attained so much. And he has all these promises in the word of God. And we can direct people to God through his word. And we should be able to speak this. Now, progressing, there's this epic portion on baptism, um, also seeing Christ fulfilling the will of God suffering and um, <laughs> putting to death the flesh on the cross, but he was also in his spirit being made alive. And then there was this portion about he, him, him going and proclaiming to the spirits in prison. 
Um, this wasn't, this wasn't a, you know, gospel message, but this was just proclaiming of the victory of Christ. And then the verse after that's on Noah's time. This is Genesis six. There was some really crazy stuff going on. Um, you might've heard of Nephilim, Nephilim or mighty men or giants in the old Testament. Well, those came from uh, a combination of the sons of men or sons of God, sorry, sons of God, which throughout the Old Testament, especially seen in Job, refer to angels, the fallen angels. So they, some of those fallen angels were coming and they were, they were reproducing with the, the daughters of men. So there's this kind of crossbreed, this hybrid of man and angel. So yes, yes, the age was dark at that time, but God was also judging an impurity in the lineage of man. And God had to deal with that. So he's saying that those spirits, they were judged. Yes, judged by the flood. But also, um, if you look into it, and we won't spend much time on it now, but they were locked up. Uh, he talks about this in Second Peter. That's why I'm kind of saving it. But they were locked up um, in prison, Tartarus, the abyss, and Christ when he was crucified and died and he descended uh into the earth for three days into Hades he must have gone and proclaimed this excellent victory to all those spirit those evil spirits who one day will um be judged by God but how it connects to us is that there was this flood we all know Noah and the ark this is a type of baptism so Peter says this is the type of baptism and for us this is so good. All these, all these things, baptism, it's, it's a symbol of our belief of, in the accomplishment of Christ. And it says that on our side, yes, I, have all, I had all these problems before God and all these things that I had done wrong, but before God, they have been solved. That's, that's what's being testified and proclaimed and exhibited when we're baptized um, in the waters of baptism. So we're, we're no longer in our conscience full of accusation, um, but actually we're full of peace and we're confident that we have been tr- baptized into the triune God and that we are now one with him organically in the resurrected Christ. And this resurrected Christ, as it says in verse 22, this is the one who's at the right hand of God, having gone to heaven, angels and authorities and powers are subject to him. So y'all, we stand with the life which is in us, this Christ, this heavenly Christ, who's at the right hand of God. He is the one who is above all. His name is above all names. And that Jesus is the one living in us. So let's let him live in us today. Let's live this excellent Christian life by allowing him to be magnified and manifested in us. And then let's just enjoy, enjoy the word of God the gospel of God and be ready to speak it to, to one another, to our friends and family, so that even they too can know this precious Christ and his blood and his redemption and the much better things that are to come. Bye everyone.